The room was a mess, not like the latte-serving internet cafes he knew from Manhattan. Bunches of exposed wires, peeling signs on the wall, including a picture of an elderly, white-bearded rabbi, a face Will had now seen at least a dozen times. He got a few upward glances as he came in, but most of the customers seemed too preoccupied to be interested in Will. Will paid his dollar and sat at a screen. Each terminal was programmed to show the same home page, the website of the Hasidic movement. There was a tracker on the left of the screen, scrolling birth announcements. At the top of the screen was a banner, showing the same face that hung on the wall. Underneath ran the slogan, Long live the Rebbe Melech HaMoshiach forever and ever. He had no idea about Melech, but Moshiach was now very familiar, even if he had not seen it in this form. But the word that mattered was Rebbe. The man in the picture that hung everywhere, an ancient rabbi with a biblical white beard and a black trilby pressed firmly on his head, was their leader, their Rebbe. If he could find this man, he would get some answers. A community like this would be hierarchical, Nothing would happen without the nod of the top man. Will left. Within a block or two, he found what he was looking for. Marmerstein's glatt kosher looked like a canteen with hot food at a counter served by large grandmotherly women. Their customers seemed to be gaunt, pale men, wolfing down chicken schnitzel, gravy-soaked potatoes, and iced tea as if they had not eaten for 24 hours. It reminded Will of the refectory at his public school. Except this scene was much more bizarre. The men might have stepped out of a picture book of 17th century Eastern Europe, and yet several of them were yammering away into cell phones. The collision of ancient and modern was jarring. Will queued up to get his own plate. Then he found what he needed, a man sitting alone. There was no time for English circumlocution. He would have to deploy the instant American approach. Hi, how are you doing? Um, where do you come from? His name was Sandy, and he was from the West Coast, both of which facts caught Will by surprise. You Jewish? Um, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm a, a, a journalist. Ridiculous thing to say. I mean, <laughs> the reason why I'm here is that I'm a journalist um, for New York Magazine. Oh, cool. You here to write about the Rebbe? Uh, yes, yes. Well, among other things. You know, um, just writing about the community... Sandy turned out to be relatively new to Crown Heights. He said he had been a surfer dude on Venice Beach, hanging out, taking a lot of drugs. His life had been a mess until six years ago, when he had met an emissary of the Rebbe, who had established an outreach center right on the oceanfront. This Rabbi Gershon had given him a hot meal one Friday night, and that was how it started. Sandy popped in there for the next Sabbath and the next. He stayed overnight with Gershon's family. You know what was best, I mean, better even than the food and the shelter? Said Sandy, with an intensity Will found awkward in a man he had just met. They didn't judge me. He explained that he had put his life in the hands of the Rebbe and his followers. He started dressing like them, eating kosher food, praying in the morning and evening, honoring the Sabbath by abstaining from all work or commerce from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. Every Jew has a Hebrew name already even if he doesn't know what it is. It's the name of our soul. When I visit my mom or when I meet, uh, you know, someone like you, I'm Sandy. In Crown Heights, I'm Shimon Shmuel. Um, so what can you tell me about this uh, Rebbe, then? Well, he is our leader, and uh, he's a great teacher, and uh, we all love him, and uh, he loves us. 
Do do people do whatever he tells them to do? <laughs> no, it's, it's not really like that, Tom. Sandy thought he was talking to a freelance reporter called Tom Mitchell. I mean, you, you should come to shul tonight. Um, shul? Synagogue. But it's more than that. It's, it's our headquarters, our meeting house, our library. You'll find out all you need to know about the Rebbe there. They talked as they walked the few blocks to Sandy's first stop. Tell me something, Sandy. Uh, what's the deal with this clothing? I mean, how come you all dress alike? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty freaked out by that at first. But, I mean, you know what the Rebbe says? We are more individual because we dress this way. Oh, how does he work that out? Well, I mean... What makes us different from each other is not the designer shirt we wear or an expensive suit, something on the outside. I mean, what makes us different from each other is what's inside, our, our, our true selves, our neshama, our souls. I mean, that's what you know, shines out. If the outside becomes irrelevant, if we all look the same, then people can truly start to see the inside. They popped in briefly to Sandy's house, which was decorated in a style that belonged to their grandparents' generation, white formica cupboards, a linoleum floor. On every wall, in varying expressions, were photographs of the man Will now knew to be the Rebbe. The living room was dominated by a playpen and cluttered with the bright red and yellow plastic of children's toys. A toddler was among them, wheeling a dumper truck. Close by, sitting in the corner of a very basic couch, was a woman bottle-feeding her baby. Will was gripped by a feeling he had not expected, envy. He coveted this baby and toddler. Perhaps for the first time he understood his wife's need. No, he, he felt it. The woman's hair was covered by a small white hat that was singularly unflattering. Underneath was a dark, thick bob, the same style worn by every woman in Crown Heights. Oh, this is Sarah Leah. Sandy said distractedly, heading for the stairs. Um, hi, I'm, I'm Tom, Will said, leaning forward to offer a hand. Sarah Leah blushed and shook her head, refusing to offer a hand of her own. Okay, we're going to shul, Sandy was shouting as he raced back downstairs. Uh, you won't need that, he said, gesturing towards the bag Will had slung over his shoulder. Um, no, that's okay, I, I'll keep this with me. Inside were his wallet, Blackberry, and crucially, his notebook. Tom, it's Shabbos, and we don't carry on Shabbos. You can leave your bag here. You're having Shabbos dinner with us, I hope. You can pick it up then. Will took off his bag, slipped his notebook into his breast pocket, and followed Sandy out the front door. They walked just a few blocks to reach the synagogue. The building was entered by walking down a couple of stairs. Just outside, a man sucked heavily on a cigarette. Last one before Shabbos. Sandy explained, smiling. Inside was what Will would have described as the very opposite of a church. It resembled a high school gym. At the back were a few rows of benches and tables, backing onto bookshelves. Every seat was taken, and the noise was rising in a cacophony of different conversations. Pairs of men were debating with each other across the tables, each man hunched over a Hebrew book. Strangest of all, Will could only see men. Um... Where are the women? Sandy pointed upwards, at what looked like the balcony of a theater, except the view was blocked by an opaque plastic window. You could just make out the outline of the people behind. Will stared hard, trying to make out a face. Giving up, he realized that he'd been searching for Beth. From nowhere, a hand clap began. 
Rows of men were forming into two lines, as if clearing a path for a procession. The rhythm became faster, as the men started singing. Yechi ha-melech, yechi ha-melech, Sandy translated. Long live the king. Now people were stamping their feet, some were swaying, others were actually jumping in the air. Their energies were directed at a throne. That was the word that came to mind. It was a large chair covered in plush red velvet. In a Spartan room like this, it stood out as an item of lavish luxury. Yechi Adonenu, Morenu Rabenu, Melech HaMoshiach, Leolam Vaed. The crowd were singing this one line over and over with a fervor Will found both exhilarating and terrifying. He leaned into Sandy's ear, shouting, What does it mean? Long live our master, our teacher, the Rebbe, King Messiah, forever and ever. Messiah. Of course, Moshiach was Messiah. The noise was becoming deafening. Will tried to find Sandy's ear again, but he had been shoved forward into the melee. Will's face was now uncomfortably close to a different man, who smiled at him, recognizing the humor of their sudden intimacy. Um, excuse me, can you tell me, when does the Rebbe come in? When does everything begin? At that moment, Will felt a hand clamp tightly on his shoulder. In his ear, a deep baritone voice. For you, my friend. It all ends right here.